Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And I'm Mike Cassidy. And today we are doing an intermission episode from our species spotlight. Uh, I know everyone was probably looking forward to part two of the Pangasius Swai River Cobbler. River Cobbler um, species spotlight episode. But the next one is going to be coming out hopefully next week. But we are taking a little intermission to make sure that we can get the right guest on here, you know, working on scheduling. So today we're going to highlight a couple articles that were in the news pretty recently that we found kind of interesting and maybe helpful to some of our listeners on the actually one is on the wild caught fishery side and one is on the aquaculture side. But before we get into the meat of the episode, make sure that you subscribe to us on whatever podcast listening platform that you're using. And if your platform has this capability, make sure to leave us a rating and review. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod, or if you have suggestions for show topics or just want to get in contact with us, email us podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. And remember to send in those seafood questions, comments, or you know, nice things you have to say about us so we can uh, include all that in the listener feedback episode. Coming soon. To a headphone set near you. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Straight to your ear holes. So today we're um, looking at a couple articles, like I said, I, you know, every once in a while, I just kind of cruise through some of the bigger seafood news channels like Interfish and obviously The Advocate for aquaculture stuff, seafood news, places like that. And this one I thought was kind of kind of cool, kind of interesting uh, and very timely, obviously. And I think it may be helpful if we got some people who are in a certain part of the world in a certain industry. But it's this is from Interfish. Uh, it was written by Dominic Welling on August 6, 2020. And the title is Canada Opens $353 million Fund to Bail Out Fishing Industry. Um, I'm going to read through kind of most of it just to kind of give you the gist of what it's saying. But basically, because of COVID, Canada decided to send some money to their fishermen because it's, it's, it's a big part of their food industry there. So it says the government of Canada is offering $353.2 million American dollars, that's $469.4 million Canadian dollars uh, in funding to help out the country's ailing fishing industry in the midst of COVID-19. So the funding is, is uh, the, the bill for the funding is called the Fish Harvester Benefit and Fish Harvester Grant. Uh, it'll be open to applications beginning August 24th, which is this week that, that this episode is released. Uh, and run, is going to run through September 21st, 2020. It's the single largest investment in Canada's fisheries in nearly two decades. Uh, it's designed to work within the unique pay structures and seasonal nature of fishing sector. So I think there was a lot of planning that kind of went into this, which is probably why it's taken a while for this application to come out. Uh, it's helping to ensure that Canada's Harvesters get the financial support they need while also positioning the sector for a strong recovery in the long term. So business owners should be eligible to apply for both the grant uh, and the benefit if they did not receive anything from the Canada Emergency Business Account Loan uh, or the Wage Subsidy Program. So if you 
work in a fishery, you're a fish harvester, and you want to apply for this grant, you need to not have gotten anything from those other programs. And I'm sure if you're in Canada, you know what those are and, and you've experienced that maybe you even applied for them. So I won't get too into that. But basically, I liked this article. I was happy to see this because I, I, I always love when seafood gets a little help, gets some love, gets thrown, uh, thrown a bone every once in a while because it tends to be kind of the forgotten child when it comes to food. And, you know, they're doing a lot. Canada is, is shelling out a lot of money for food systems just in general, not just seafood. The government has also invested... 50 million Canadian dollars to help farmers, fish harvesters, and all food production and processing employers. So, um, wow. yeah, so they're really doing a good job of making sure that their food supply industry is going to continue to be strong and is going to have a strong recovery in the in the near and long fu- long-term future. So, America, take note. <laughs> this is a really great it's, thing for fishermen. I know there's a lot of people that have had a really, really tough time within food systems with losing jobs, having to let employees go and things like that. And this is going to be really, really beneficial. So I'm really glad they're doing it. And I just wanted to highlight that, the great work that the Canadian government is doing to protect their food sector. Thank you, Canada, for being a model citizen of the world <laughs> and uh, for showing us how to take care of our people. And so yeah, the link for that article, like... it's on Interfish. So if you don't have an account to Interfish, unfortunately, you won't be able to read it, but we will still link to it. I think a lot of people in the industry are members of Interfish, so they will be able to read that article. So we'll make sure that the link for that is in the show show notes, as well as the article that Maddie's going to talk about too. But what do you guys, I mean, you read the article. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think it's such a big win and it's it's nice to see, like you were saying, to get this much recognition and support on like such a large scale from the national government of Canada. Like that's a huge endorsement and a huge win, especially during this time. It's definitely a huge time of need for the entire food industry, but especially the seafood industry. So I just think that it's a step in the right direction, especially right now. Yeah, I think that it shows, to your quote, Sean, of the forgotten child, I think this shows that we've come a long ways as far as realizing Mm -hmm. what seafood's potential is and how important it is to feeding the world. And Canada realized that and is putting money in to, to keep people afloat. So hopefully 2021 and beyond can be more stable and going even more so up in, on the right track. It's yeah, putting and, its money where its mouth is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't get into the specifics of the amounts. The article itself breaks down like how, how much someone who is approved for this would receive uh, depending on what their position is when they apply and things like that. I, I, I didn't want to get into that because it's just it's just a bunch yeah. of numbers, but you can definitely look that up online. Look up, maybe we can even find the link for the application for this grant program. It's not up right now. So <laughs> we're, you know when we're recording, we're not able to, to take a look at the application, but it will be coming out this week if you're listening to this on the week that it's, that it's released. So make sure you, if you're eligible uh, or if you know someone in the Canadian fishery industry that could benefit from this, please make sure that you share that with them to make sure that you help them out in any way that we can. Yeah. And I wonder if any other countries are doing something similar to this for their seafood industry. So if you live in another country and something similar like this is happening where you live, let us know. We'd love to hear about it and get another side of a different story. Yeah. I know we've been talking, we've been doing a lot of COVID related 
topics, specifically how people have reacted to it and how they've had to pivot and stuff. And I don't want people to get like COVID fatigue with our with our podcast. But I thought this was something that is a way that we could potentially help some people. I know it's this is limiting to one country, but it's a big country with a with a big industry. So if we can get one person that maybe didn't know about this to to realize that it's something they can benefit from, then that's a win for me. So do you guys have anything else that you want to say about this specific article or do we want to move on to Maddie's? No, I think it'll be something we can track and hopefully there'll be some good success stories or hopefully, you know, they really took the time to analyze and put the money in the right places and hopefully it serves its purpose. Yeah. It was put together by their fisheries, fish fish and wildlife. I'm not sure exactly what the um, department is called in Canada, but they, uh, yeah, that department was the one that put this bill together. So they, you know, you had the right people making the decisions on this. So it's, uh, I think it was a good move and good on you, Canada. Well done. <laughs> Maddie, you have a one from that that's a little more local for us, right? Yeah. So this article caught my eye for two reasons. The first reason is that it's not in a seafood publication. It's actually from the New York Times. So it's cool that it's getting a lot more publicity than it would probably on another smaller seafood publication. So we'll, of course, have the link down below in the show notes. And the other reason why this caught my eye is what Sean said is that it's actually pretty local to where we are here in New England. So this article is about the oyster farming industry of the Cape Cod Bay, which is a part of Massachusetts. It's kind of like the arm that sticks out into the ocean of Massachusetts, if you're familiar with mm-hmm. the shape of the state. And yeah, Cape, Cape Cod, Cape Cod oysters, is Massachusetts flexing its bicep. Yeah, it really, really does look is. like an arm flexing. It's kind of funny looking. So this article is really interesting because it kind of goes over the history of oysters in that area. And I didn't realize like how much oysters have had an impact on that ecosystem and how much things have changed. So it was a really interesting read. So I'm just going to go over some of the highlights of it. And if you want to read the full article, like I said, we'll have a link down below. So Cape Cod has had a plethora of oysters for a long, long, long period of time. So even before Europeans came over to America, the native people of Cape Cod, which is the Nauset tribe, had a plentiful amount of oysters. And there were basically oyster reefs everywhere around Cape Cod that are kind of similar to coral reefs. And oysters, as probably many of our listeners know, they filter the water that they're in. So because of that filtering, they end up feeding a lot of other sea life. So they're a huge anchor in the ecosystem of this area. And some adult oysters can actually filter up to 50 gallons of water a day. So they are a pretty big deal in this area. And not only just that, not only just the water quality aspect, but also the reefs themselves. When you said they're similar to coral reefs, like oyster beds and and these natural reefs that are made by years and years of oysters growing there, that's like prime habitat for tons of different species uh, in different parts of the world. I know there's like massive oyster reefs in places like Chesapeake Bay. Mm. And so it provides a, a massive habitat for smaller species that need little places to hide and stuff. But, you know, that also brings in a lot of other fish, like it's a, I know we're talking about Cape Cod, but 
I, I just know in Chesapeake Bay, having this massive population of oysters, it created like a breeding ground for things like cow nose stingrays, which eat shellfish and oysters. And so, you know, it's mm. just this, this giant food web. It's, it's, a, it's a strong basis for a giant ecological web. And it, it, the other thing that I want to say before you continue is that it's nice to have some news out of Cape Cod in the summer that doesn't have anything to do with shark sightings. That's all. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> yeah, that's me now. <laughs> yeah, they moved up. Yeah. So continuing on with the history, Cape Cod went from having all these oyster reefs, so much oyster life, to in the 18th and 19th centuries, as the Europeans came over and settled more thickly in the area, there was disease, over-harvesting, and new technologies like dredging, canning, and transportation that completely changed the entire country's oyster industry. Wow. So like in Wellfleet, Massachusetts, which is right on the Cape, the native oyster population was basically completely diminished. Like there was hardly anything left because of all of that, because the settlers just loved oysters so much, I guess. Well, yeah. And yeah, why wouldn't they? And today, fast forward a few hundred years later, there are estimates that there's only 1% of historical levels of oyster that are oh, wow. naturally occurring in this area. So even after 100 years of like trying to write what happened, it's we're still only at 1% of what it used to be, most likely somewhere around there. Wow. Um, so this is where the aquaculture industry comes in. So modern day aquaculture has changed the game of the oyster industry in Cape Cod. And this article from the New York Times spotlights this company called Aquacultural Research Corporation. And so they produce shellfish seed, which if you listened to our episode with Sea Venture clams, this is kind of the equivalent of what they do with clams, but with oysters. So they make tiny, tiny little juvenile oysters, which are also called spat, and then they sell it to the local shellfish farmers on Cape Cod. And so the article follows this um, farmer named Chris Krober, who is one of those farmers, and he grew up working on his father's clam boat. So this has been like a lifelong generational job for him. And he's been raising oysters for five years on his own. He has a two acre farm in Cape Cod Bay. And what's cool about Cape Cod is that at least in New England, I feel like we kind of are more familiar with it, but I don't know how many people like that are in different parts of the US or even different parts of the world know about this little oyster haven that we have. But it's funny because the different areas in Cape Cod can bring oysters that have such different tastes. Like it's not a huge area of water, but there's just such a wide variety in what kind of oysters that you can get. So, and that's because the nature of the bay brings in salt water and fresh water. So there's bunch of different flavors that you can get. You can get briny, some earthy ones. There's some sweet flavory ones, sweet marsh algae. Like there's all kinds of different flavors that you can get. Oh my God, I love oysters. I know, they're so good. <laughs> You're getting, getting <laughs> me thinking about oysters. Those, I'm like, oh, I want some so bad. <laughs> I know, now I have to like go to the grocery store and make some for dinner. So with all that being said, aquaculture has now helped bring back oysters to the ecosystem of Cape Cod. Like we said, there's only 1% that are naturally occurring in this area. And obviously, if they're being farmed, they're not naturally occurring, but it's helping the ecosystem because they're filtering the water. They're bringing other sea life to come to that area as well because 
like we were saying with the reefs, it attracts certain kinds of wildlife that would like to live in that ecosystem. So it's just a really cool story. And it's something that I've known about, but I've never like taken the time to learn more deeply about it. So it's a really fun article, especially if you're local to where we live. Well, it's great that it got highlighted in the New York Times. It's always nice to see aquaculture stories in those really big publications, seafood yeah, in general, but especially While I was looking at it, I realized that the New York Times, it's not updated super often, but mm -hmm. it has a whole fish farming section. Like they probably oh. have a new article like every other month or something, but it's still cool that they have it. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. I wasn't yeah, able to it's a read great it. Article. I couldn't I couldn't get it for some reason. Yeah, the New York Times it's like you can only read five articles a month or something. They're yeah, really strict about that. I get like a daily update from them. Mm. And my problem is I, I see articles that interest me in those and I use up my like monthly allowance for reading. In like one hour. <laughs> in like in like two days. <laughs> so I wasn't able to read it. But if you don't regularly visit the New York Times website, you should be able to read this article. You should be fine. Anything else that you guys want to say before we close up shop? No, those couple good articles that hopefully our listeners will check out and hopefully there'll be more to come. Yeah, check them out. Not super current eventsy, you know. It's it, I think the story about the oysters is something that will more kind like of a always human be interest. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and exactly. I, but I know the the um, the Canadian grant for fisheries is a little bit you know, specific to the time frame. So I apologize for that if you're listening to this in the future, but um, <laughs> I think it was important that we get that out there. And, you know, we don't do a yeah, lot of these big news. We don't do a lot of these current event or articles, um, summaries. And um, I think that that's pretty, that was worth taking an episode. Again, I apologize if you were excited for the second part of the species spotlight on Pangasius Swai. Uh, it's in the works though. Pangasius Photoshop AI, but <laughs> That 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 will be coming. That know that that's in the works, but we want to make sure that we take the time to get the best guests for you guys and and get the best uh, the best product out to you that we can. So thank you so much for listening to this episode and for subscribing and listening to all the other episodes. Um, maybe go back and listen to them again, just because they're awesome and you love to hear the sound of our voices. Why not? <laughs> but uh, we appreciate you, have to be you. Crazy. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you subscribing and leaving ratings and reviews. And uh, remember to send in those questions. We will talk to you next time. Bye. Ciao.